And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. How do I sound now? I sound okay? Did you ask Pop that question? Let's do it. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. Okay, here we go. And it's another edition of Hoops Jason on the Athletic MBA Show. David Aldrich here in D.C. Happy New Year, everybody. Before we start, just, I want to, just prayers to DeMar Hamlin and his family and the Bills and the Bengals, um, man, I just, you know, when, when you, when you finally see something that you've never seen before in real time, it's, um, it's humbling, you know, <laughs> um, it's not, unfortunately not the first I have experience with this, um, which I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit, but I want to welcome Marcus and Will Guillory, our guest, the Pelicans beat writer for the athletic, um, welcome them into the show. But, um, I just wanted to say a few words about this before we get started, fellas, because when I was one of the first, I remember it like it was yesterday, uh, when I first started at the Washington Post covering high school football, a kid basically had a heart attack on the field and died. And I'll never, ever forget that. Um, And it was the most helpless feeling I ever had in my life because I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to ask. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to ask. I didn't know anything. And I worked for the Washington Post and we had to write a story about it. Right. So um, it's it's so I just say that not to call attention to myself, but just to point out, I know what Lisa Salters was going through last night. I know what Joe Buck was going through. I know what Trey was going through and Susie Culber and Booger McFarland. And Ryan Clark and, and Scott Van Pelt. And I just want to commend ESPN because I thought they did a, a, a remarkably good job of not trying to get in front of the story or be first or any of that nonsense, but just to tell the story accurately. And I just wanted to give them props on that because it's 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 impossible. It's impossible to do. It's You're out of your depth. You don't know what to do. And... Um, I just wanted to give them props. And so, and I, I'm sorry to spring that on you guys. I, I should have told you before I wanted to say that, but um, I just wanted to get that out um, because, you know, you just don't know what to do in a situation like that. And that includes people in the media. We don't know what to do either. So I give them props for that. Um, and there's no way to, to segue to talking about the Pelicans from that, you know, but we have to, we do want to move on and, and talk about the Pelicans. Um, but if you guys have anything that you want to add, um, given in your experiences uh, over the years, or just your perspective watching that last night, uh, if you watched it, um, you know, the floor is yours. It's, it's all, all, all on you for right now. I'm just happy. He's a good dude. You know, yeah. like he's a good dude. And, you know, obviously what's happening to him is awful. And, incomprehensible but man i just love seeing people get to know who he is and appreciate who he is and read about him and learn about him uh his charity is over four million dollars is now. it four million wow yeah okay. it's well, that's great you know like 
spend time talking about good people. You know? Yes, yes. Like, and and this is he's one of the good ones. I just really hope he wakes up and sees like the love that he received. Right. right? And and like to me that that's the really stuff. His parents were sixteen when they had him, and they still raised a man like that's this. Crazy. Right. Like so. Yeah. Talk. Talk. Talk about the good people. Let's give some give some love to the people who do good things, who are part of their community, who are known for being good, who when something bad happens to them, other grown men cry about it. Right. Right. That's how good he is. You know, yeah. so I, I like as as difficult as this is, I like that as his story's being told, we learn about a good man. It's just a stark reminder uh, that, you know, as much as we love, you know, sports and, and view these guys as, as superhumans and they can do all of these things that, you know, 99% of the population aren't capable of. At the end of the day, they're still real, real people, you know, mm-hmm. and as much as I'm sure Marcus on a daily basis gets people asking about, you know, all the crazy stuff Steph Curry can do on a basketball court. Marcus knows Steph Curry, the man, the father, the the son you know he, he knows him as a real human being and people kind of forget that at times because we get so caught up in talking about legacy and how many points did he score last night and these guys are making millions of dollars but at the end of the day you know they're real people going through real stuff and stuff and unfortunately when things like that happen last night uh you get reminded that they're real people they have families they have goals and sometimes you know it's terrible things happen to people in life and you got to deal with the circumstances and it's just unfortunate to see uh that happen to him and you know my prayers are out to him and his family and shouts to sean mcdermott and zach taylor for recognizing yeah. they coach yeah. people and canceling yes. and not playing that game yes like that to me was a very human thing to do uh right. not treating them like some kind of bionic robots who could just press a button and get back into kill mode it's like right. nah you look at them dudes faces man they weren't playing football that day no no, no no more not today <laughs> you know what i'm saying not today <laughs> You know, and that's trauma. I mean, that's trauma. That's like being in a war zone. That's what happens in a war zone. Somebody standing next to you drops. That's what happens. And that's why those guys don't talk about war. You know, guys that fought in World War II in Vietnam, they don't talk about it because it's too traumatic. You know what I mean? Um, and so, uh, you know, as you both said so so well, you know, just these are these are three-dimensional human beings. These are not caricatures. These are not you know, gods, and they're not the devil either. They're people. They have hopes and dreams and fears and foibles, and some of them are funny and some of them are morose, but they're people, and and we need to remember that um, and try to show them in all of their humanity and not just what they can do on a court or on a field or on a diamond or in a boxing ring or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's the Chasing M's, the letter M, apostrophe S, foundation, Community Toy Drive on GoFundMe.com. Uh, as we tape this, they're up to $4.7 million raised. Um, now, I think, I mean, I don't want to, sp- I'm obviously not going to speak for uh, the family, but I think most people of goodwill would understand that while it is wonderful to raise $4.7 million for toys, that some of that money be used to defer the medical cost that that young man is going to absorb over the next several weeks and months uh, if he is able to recover. Um, so uh, I hope that that is at least being thought of to kind of repurpose some of that money. You can you can certainly spend hundreds of millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars on toys if you want, 
Um, but there are other things that that family is going to need um, in the next few weeks and months if if he is able to pull through. So we we give all of our prayers uh, to to Demar and to his family, um, and hope that he that he can pull through. Um, uh, with that, again, as I said, there's no good way to segue, um, but we do want to talk about why we asked Will to come on, and that is the hot hot. Well, they were hot until just a couple of days ago, <laughs> New Orleans Pelicans, and how they have kind of um, really become must-see TV on a nightly basis. Unfortunately, Zion pulled a hammy. Um, I don't know if you have any update on that You know, right now. I'm sure it's, it's probably a day-to-day -day thing. But, um, Will, they have been pretty remarkable most of the season, top 10 in offensive and defensive rating. Um, Zion's presence, obviously a big part of it, but what else is happening down there that's caused them to be, you know, in this position, top three in the West, uh, where they were the top seed in the West till they lost the last two. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, throughout my time covering this team, uh, so often the, the faces change, but the Which story is hella is... long, by the way. I'll have you know. I'm looking up old, old clips, TA. I'm looking up old clips of Warrior Game. I'm, I'm, I'm watching pieces or reading pieces from 2015. Oh, yeah. So Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> written by Will. I'm like, hold on, what? Will's like it's 22 years old. Like, what the heck is he doing? Like, <laughs> Shout out to my guy uh, Anthony Randolph from back in the G. Oh, Watching old summer league summer clips. They are. Oh man, I did not know that. How yes, that? Will. Yeah. I, I, I thought Will's like twenty-two years old, like last right, week. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. man. I've been trying to put the work in over here, man. And I've been watching a whole lot of these Pels teams throughout the years, where they come in with promise. Yeah. They got some stars at the top of the roster. We're doing some things, and then you get to the start of the season. Season, and then this guy goes down that guy goes down and then they're two and 15 and then it's like right okay, right, right right looking forward to the looking forward to the lottery one more right. time right <laughs> and then with this team it kind of happened again right where bi gets hurt zion was dealing with some stuff early in the season cj mccollum went on the covid list for a little while but the difference with this team and every basically every other team i've covered is they lose these guys, and they just keep chugging along. They keep winning, regardless mm -hmm. of who's out there. Uh, I think right now they're 4-1 in games without Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. That's crazy, right? They're like 12-6 and six or something like that without yeah. uh, Brandon Ingram in the lineup. Uh, I think the biggest difference with this team is – they're not star reliant like like they were in the Anthony Davis days or in the Chris Paul days. It's not like we need Anthony Davis to drop 28 and 15 just to have a chance. Right. With this team, I think they really have an argument for the deepest roster in the NBA, which is crazy to think because that's not what I'm used to seeing here in New Orleans, <laughs> right? It's a team that goes legit 1 through 15 and that you can say that with this Pels team. They're legit 1 through 15. They have guys who can hoop. They have guys who can put up buckets. I put in one of my stories earlier this year. They have 10 guys who have scored 20-plus in wins this year, which I think That's leads crazy. the league. Maybe, wow. uh, maybe I think the, the Warriors might be up there. They might have passed them up recently. Uh, but to have that many guys who can come in and not just give you minutes – but really be a huge part of why you won. I think it says so much about what they've done and the job David Griffin has done to build out this roster. And then you look at what they can do down the line once they finally do get all the pieces together and you can put Zion, B.I., and C.J. out there together. 
I think this team is really dangerous, and and I think what they would say overall is the chemistry they've built within the locker room. Uh, I think has helped them build up so much because uh, they they've been through a lot together, and those guys believe in each other and they want to play for each other, and that's what any coach wants to see from their team. Yeah, you know, I've been waiting to ask you this because uh, you know, I've been to that arena a lot of times, man. That is <laughs> that is LSU country. That is Saints country. Like, yo, them games are lit. It's crazy. Lit. What yep. the heck is yep. happening? And Smoothie King, like, yo, is this real? Is, is it? Does it feel like it looks on television? I'm telling you, man, these games the past month or so, I would say, is, uh, is some of the craziest environments I've seen in Smoothie King Center. And I've seen some dark times in that arena, okay? Bruh, like, listen. Post, <laughs> post Anthony Davis, trade oh, yeah. demand, Smoothie bleak. King Center. It was bleak. It was empty in that joint, okay? And, and, I, and I'm telling you, they're packing out games against the Pacers, okay? Like, the Timberwolves came to town with no cat, and it was packed in there. The crowd was going crazy. And I think, you know, some of that design, of course, everybody wants to see Z. Every time you watch Z, something crazy happens. Uh, but like I said, I think with with this group more than any other team I've watched, the people are buying into the team as a whole. It's not just the stars. But you, you go to the game, you hear them chanting Jose when Jose Alvarado checks into the game. They're going crazy behind Najee Marshall, behind Herb Jones. They love all of these guys, and they love uh, that the fact that these guys have really embraced the city. They do a whole bunch of stuff to really show the city that they're into the culture. You see them out at events together, and I think people really love the fact that these guys, like I said, they play for each other. They love being together. You see these guys all the time joking around in the locker room. Uh, they're messing with each other. I just was at practice watching Najee Marshall and Jose Alvarado play one-on-one for like 20 minutes straight like it was game seven of the finals like going at each other's necks and that's just every day when you're around these guys uh they just compete hard as hell and they, they love being around each other and i think i don't have to tell you guys this but everybody who's been in the nba locker room you're used to seeing these three guys over here you got yep. these four dudes over here maybe a few of the international guys are hanging out over there but this group is not like that in new orleans all of these guys are together all the time they all ride for each other and they're as close as any team i've been around and it's crazy to see because they haven't really won that much together right so to be so in love with each other but uh, it's just they, they feel like they've been through a lot and they really ride for each other bi's been out for 18 games now with the to- what's what's going on with the toe what's the situation with that is it getting better or what do they think yeah it's crazy because he was he was Close to coming back, they had a road trip in Utah. They had two games against Utah and another against Phoenix. He was getting close. They had him playing some pickup games, and he kind of aggravated the toe a little bit on the road trip, so they pushed him back some. And uh, the thing is, it's not like he re-injured the toe. I think we talked to him the other day. He said it's not really a pain thing. It's more of a he just doesn't feel as confident pushing off the the foot just yet, feeling like he can really explode yet. Uh, So I think that's the real thing is him just not feeling quite like himself in some of these pickup sessions. And we've seen him recently doing more stuff like shooting more at practice. We see him doing stuff pregame where he's really going through different basketball moves to really push off the foot and see how much he can do. I think he's getting closer. I'm pretty sure he did some stuff after today's practice because you guys know uh, you can see some stuff when the media comes in and then you see one guy kind of sitting on the side like, all right, I'm going to wait till y'all leave and then I'm going to really start doing some stuff in here. So I'm pretty sure he had one of those sessions today. So I think he's getting closer. Uh, But it's really not a matter of 
when is he going to stop feeling pain or uh, or do they have to get another MRI or anything like that? I really think it's just more of a confidence thing for him. When does he feel like Brandon Ingram again? And that's when he's going to get back on the court. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 that's linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn sales navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 and get started. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You know, they say coaches take, or teams take on a personality of their coach, right? But, man, Willie Green was out here with the Warriors uh, as an assistant. Yes, indeed. And you don't, get a, you don't get a more, like, chill, reserved – you know what I'm saying? Like, don't don't say much, super polite, respectable. How in the world he's got the swaggiest team out? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> these, are, these are – like, Trey Murphy come in is talking head with every shot. Like, you know what I'm saying? He, he flexing with every shot. You got Jose. I mean, they just got a whole vibe about him. Like, in what ways do you see Willie Green's impact on this team? Because it doesn't really look like a Willie Green type of team, but it's, it's obviously very Willie Green. 
A hundred percent. I'm right there with you. And I can tell you one thing. Willie Green isn't the type of guy who will co-sign a dude hiding in the corner and sneaking up some up behind somebody and getting <laughs> right? a steal. Yeah, Willie Green ain't down with that type of stuff. <laughs> and and, and he, he was like, hey, I think Willie coming into this situation was like, I'm going to let these guys really show their personality. I'm going to put down my principles about this is what he calls it, my non-negotiables. He says, we're going to come in. We're going to play with effort. We're going to share the ball. We're going to play defense. Uh, but uh, if, as long as y'all doing that, y'all can do all the other stuff. But if y'all aren't doing that, that's when I'm going to start reining y'all in. And I think they found a really nice balance with Willie because Willie's one of those guys where everybody's joking around and then he walks in and everybody kind of goes quiet because, <laughs> you know, he, he's that guy that you got to take very seriously. And when he speaks, everybody listens. He's one of those guys. Uh, but he's also a, a younger coach and he's also a former player. So he understands the dynamics of a locker room. He understands how the wrong type of coaching can suppress a player and the right type of coaching can allow the guy to flourish and really blow, blossom into the type of person and player they want to be. So I think he, he wants to be that coach that when he puts the hammer down, you know what it is when Willie comes in, but he wants Jose Alvarado to beat Jose and do crazy Jose things. He wants <laughs> Trey Murphy to, to to jack up 30 footers. He's like, hey, if that's who you are, do you, but make sure you go on the other end and play some defense as well. So I think he's done a great job of really establishing that balance. And I think they love having a guy who played in the league as long as Willie did and understands players and understands where they're coming from. And I think that's a big reason why he's worked out here in New Orleans as well as he has. He is from Detroit now, Marcus. Come on now. Oh yeah, yeah, Detroit what? man. He from yeah. Detroit now. Come on now. <laughs> That's where you see the toughness, right? <laughs> exactly. That team, that team is just—they're like super fun yes. and outgoing, and then you yes. got the coach over there just like chilling. <laughs> I was <Yeah>. like, uh. <laughs> and I've heard some stories about Deton Willie, man. You don't want to mess with Willie. I, I won't say it on the mic. Hey, nah, I'll just let y'all know. Don't mess with hey, Deton Willie. Them, you don't fool with them quiet dudes, man. You, you know what I mean, Willie. Willie got two words for you, and they're all polite. You don't mess with dudes. <laughs> you don't mess with dudes when that's the case. Hey, you you mentioned swag, Marcus, and I think one of the swag dude, swaggiest dudes on that team is CJ. And CJ is another quiet dude, but then CJ be talking all kinds of yak, you know, and I just – he has been I, – I can't think of a more perfect trade for a team than, than him coming in last year. I just – it's just a perfect fit. Like, sometimes – well, most of the time, a guy comes in and they got talent, but they got to adjust to the team. The team. This seems like there was no adjustment period. He just stepped right in and filled so and checked so many boxes that they needed. And I just it. You see him every day, but it sure seems like that was CJ. Is just he just does everything that's needed, whether it is scoring, encouraging, challenging, yelling. You know all the things that the leaders of teams need to do, and there doesn't seem to be any jealousy of him coming in and taking that role. Yeah, I, I think it'll go on as one of the, the best trades in franchise history. And for all the reasons you mentioned, I think one of the main reasons they wanted to bring him in was to have that veteran presence. You know, the previous summer, they were going hard after Kyle Lowry. They were almost convinced that Kyle Lowry was coming to New Orleans, and I think Kyle kind of pulled the rug from under him and was like, nah, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. 
but I, I think they wanted that guy who can be kind of their Chris Paul, what Chris Paul did for Phoenix, being that guy who, hey, y'all got a lot of young talent, but I'm going to come here and show y'all how to win. And, and I think they needed that presence in CJ. But also, they just needed a guard who can go get some buckets. And they just haven't had that in a long time before CJ came in. And, like, Drew was good. But I think CJ is a much talent, much more talented overall scorer uh, than Drew was. And I think just having that dynamic in today's NBA, especially today's NBA, where it's like every night somebody's dropping 40. So you got to have guys out there that can go get you a bucket. And CJ is that guy. Uh, but also just his leadership in the locker room, the way he's kind of guiding B.I. and Zion and showing them the way on a daily basis of like, all right. These, these are the days you got to push your guys. These are the days where you got to just say, hey, we had a bad night. We got to move on, can focus on the work, all of that stuff. But also, it's not just CJ. What makes that trade so incredible is that they snuck around and got Larry Nance in that deal as well. And right, Larry right, Nance right. has been sensational for this team this year and with a lot of those same leadership qualities. And he's the exact type of guy you want next to Zion Williamson in the front court who can switch everything. He can spread the floor. He hits the offensive boards. Great defensive IQ communication. Uh, so I think both of those guys have brought that that veteran dynamic that this team needs, but they also fit extremely well on the court next to your star player. So I think that trade is going to go down in history for this team as a turning point for them. And then the the whole point of the deal was, well, we'll give them a first-round pick for CJ, and you didn't even have to do that <laughs> because they ended up making the playoffs. So you ended up right. giving them a Milwaukee pick in 2025. So you almost got CJ for basically Josh Hart and nothing else, yeah. uh, which is crazy. crazy. What's uh, kind of jarring to me when you, when you watch the Pelicans is they don't – for a team that shoots it as well as they do, they don't take a lot of threes. Like, you would think – a team that shoots it as well and has, has as many shooters, they're going to get them up. Why do you think that is? Obviously, Zion isn't a three-point shooter, and he kind of, like, you want to get it inside to him. But it feels like that was set up the perfect inside-out game. Why do you think, why, why do they not shoot so many threes despite being so good? And is that a sign of, even though they got a lot of young guys, there's still some maturity there with shot selection and how to go about getting uh, good shots? For sure. And I think part of it, like you said, is Z is like the only shots Z take are the ones inside the restricted area. <laughs> so you won't see him taking any jumpers. And some of those guys, like you said, they, they just aren't comfortable being volume three-point shooters. Like Trey Murphy is a 40% type of three-point shooter, but you won't see him getting up 10 to 12 threes a game. And some of that is just him needing to just grow into that role and be that guy. Somebody I talk about all the time who I love is Malik Beasley. It's like Malik Beasley, I don't care if he plays 12 minutes, he's going to get up 10 threes because that's just who he is. And that's the, the confidence he brings to the court and I think Trey needs to get there a little bit more uh Herb Jones isn't really a shooter like that so you're not gonna see him putting up a whole bunch of threes uh CJ is more comfortable operating in the mid-range area I think he's starting to shoot more threes you saw him the other night hit 11 threes uh so he's starting to grow that part of his game but you're right to be a really dynamic offense and just to have that high variance on certain nights you got to just get up 43s and just to see what happened right just to say, have the numbers on your side and I, that's something that really green has been pushing them to do a lot more this year just because they shoot it so well when they do shoot they have guys who can knock down the threes but they just don't 
have the guys right now who are going to just go out and take 10 threes regardless of what's going on. And they need to be more comfortable doing that just because of the way teams are defending Zion. Because one of the craziest things about what Zion does is I don't see anybody who gets defended the way he does on a nightly basis with the way teams just stack the bodies in the paint. And they just say, hey, Jonas, we don't even care about you on the court. We're just going to have two guys on Zion, they put maybe guards even three on him, right? guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sometimes they'll put a guard in front of them just to say, hey, we'll try to slow you down and have a big man waiting for you at the rim. Yeah. Uh, Zion's just constantly dealing with double teams, and the way you punish teams for doing that is by hitting open three-pointers, right? right. Uh, and then they need to do that more often. And I think once B.I. gets back in the lineup, right. that'll That's help. Yeah. He's, shooting yeah. the ball. He's shooting the ball better this year than he has in his whole career. Uh, so I I think once they get healthy, that'll help. But they just got to be focused on just putting them up. Just just whatever. If you think it's a good shot, bad shot, contested hand, whatever. You got to just put them up uh, just to have the math on your side. Yeah. I, I was wondering. I would think that when, when Brandon comes back, that that spaces the floor more. I mean, it just naturally makes them more three-point threatening right than than you know the way they're playing now which understandably play through zion and and cj i get that they should right because those are the strengths of the team um zion has been remarkable this year to me and i don't think i mean it's not it's not just about him being in shape i just think his game's better and i but again you see them every day what's what's the where has the growth in his game shown itself this year I think in my mind, no doubt, it's it has to start defensively, and I think it's interesting because you talked about his game and offensively. That's the thing we point to so often with him, just because he puts up historic numbers as a guy who's averaging twenty five plus a game, shooting sixty percent from the field. Yeah. Uh, but I think his effort on a night to night basis is, is much better than what I've seen in the past, and I think especially during that Stan Van Gundy season, it was basically he was like a DH almost, where he was like, "I'm a score, and then I'm gonna just chill." On the other end, and I think B.I. was doing the same thing a lot of nights. And then this year, uh, I think that's where you see that Willie Green effect. Uh, that's where you see the influence of having guys like Jose Alvarado and Herb Jones on your team where it's like, man, these dudes all around me are playing hard, so I just got to keep up. I don't want to be the one that's standing out or just getting attacked every single game. And he was getting some of that earlier in the season where teams were like, hey, you bring him here, and I'm going to go at him every possession. And I think eventually you just get tired of that, and you eventually want to start fighting back, and you're seeing more of him just playing with more effort, running in transition more often. And some of that is him being a better uh, better fitness and all of that stuff. But I think he's just got a different mindset this year. And I think part of it is, you know, he won't say it publicly, but he heard everything was people saying about him last year. He heard all the fat jokes. He heard people saying he, he saw was the right. Mountain Dew he commercial saw reviews. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He heard everybody saying, I'm going to take Ja over Zion. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I mean, these guys all say, oh, I don't pay attention to the media. None of it's true. All of them are on IG. They see they all the comments. Yep. They all of them align. <laughs> they see everything people are saying about them. And, and, and I think that stuff was getting to Z because he knows who he is as a player. And I think he came in with a, with a mission this year to show everybody who he is and what he can do. And it took him some time just to get back comfortable. Uh, with his body and get his legs under him, but now uh, I just I, the, the confidence he's playing with on a nightly basis and the way he's attacking these teams, uh, man, it's crazy to see. Just because you see these guys who can 
knockdown shots or they got crazy footwork. Uh, Zion's not none of that. Zion's like, I'm going to just run straight through your chest and I'm going <laughs> to lay this ball up. And it, and you're going to have to find a way to stop it. it uh, it's just nothing like I've ever seen. I wrote a story after he dropped 43. I compared it to that interview uh, Marshawn Lynch gave where he was like, I'm going to hit you in the face over and over and over and over and over and over. And, and eventually you're going to fold. And that's the way Zion Bat- Williamson plays basketball. He's just going to keep running HB dive right, in, right into your middle of your line and if you can't stop it he's gonna drop 35 and eventually your whole front line gonna be fouled out and he just doesn't stop uh that's one of the more impressive things about his game is he just keeps going downhill no matter what how much of it is also Luca's up for mvp Giannis has won two mvps Jokic has won two mvps durant's won mvp the top there's never been a a better group of elite players i think than we've had this than we have this year in the nba and steph would be in there if he hadn't gotten hurt how much of it is yo y'all forgetting about me like i'm as good as those guys and i want to be in that conversation oh there's no doubt he he definitely wants to be in that conversation and i think something he said to us multiple times uh, and he's a guy who grew up idolizing michael jordan uh he's not like some of these younger guys who grew up watching lebron his parents uh had him watching old school players a lot so he was very big in the mic and the magic those guys when he was coming up and something he says to us all the time is guys don't get judged by their numbers they get judged by their wins and I think that's what he cares about a lot. He's, he wants to be judged as a winner. He wants to be seen as a guy who comes in and he brings his team to the next level with the wins they put on the board, not necessarily the numbers he's putting up. So I think he cares very much about putting the Pelicans in a position to really do some stuff in the playoffs. And, you know, getting ha- having to sit on the sidelines last year and watch that Phoenix series, I think it had a, a tremendous effect on him. Uh, not only just seeing New Orleans and just being like, wow, uh, this crowd is crazy and the fans are so into this team. But he was like, man, this is the environment I want to be a part of. I want to be out there when the chips are really on the line and really show what I'm made of. So I think that's what I'm really looking forward to more than anything is just how does that playoff stage affect him because he wants to win in this league and he thinks that's how he's ultimately going to be judged. And he's probably right because we we always talk about these guys' numbers, but if they aren't winning, then it doesn't matter. And I think that's what he cares about most is going, going out there and showing people that he can take the Pelicans as a franchise to the next level and win more than – any other of these great guys who came here before him. How is he um, handling, like, you know, being a player, being a star, you know, dealing with media and all that? You know, he spent the first part of his career basically ghosts. You know what I'm saying? Like, wasn't talking, was gone. Like, now that you get to spend time around him, like, how is he? What is he like? Is, does, he, does, he, does he operate like a superstar? Yeah, it's interesting because you're exactly right that he was he was ghost a lot of times and he's such a weird like story because he's a guy who was a superstar at like 16, right? Like like Drake was posting pictures of him wearing a Zion Williamson when this dude was a junior in high school. And this was a guy. I mean, that's kind of just Drake, though, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's crazy because like he grew up in a in a world that's much different than like what LeBron dealt with when he was younger. LeBron was a superstar. But LeBron didn't have social media. Right. And Zion's a guy who had these YouTube videos that were getting millions of views. Exactly. Well, he was in high school. Mixtapes, everything. So yeah. he was he's been used to people screaming his name since he was a kid. And they kind of 
kind of hardened his shell a little bit and he moves around and I think still to this day a little bit like he keeps people at an arm's distance because he he knows how much that fame can affect people in social media he's not really as active on social media as other guys because he knows how that can affect you and how that spotlight can kind of change your perspective but I think he's getting more comfortable with it he talks to us a little bit more now that we're back in the locker room he'll joke with us every now and then about our kicks or about you know he knows I'm a North Carolina fan so he'll poke me every now and then between the North Carolina Duke rivalry uh but he's getting more comfortable with it uh just being around people and talking more but he's still not quite like a uh I don't like a like a Steph Curry who will come in and just talk to people or some of these other stars and I think that'll come with time uh but he's still mostly reserved uh for a star and I think he'll get comfortable with it as he kind of just gets used to people uh but he he keeps his circle very small and I think that'll probably be the case long term uh but man in New Orleans people just kind of get that out of you you got to show some personality in this city one of the funniest things I remember his rookie year they had the thing where all the rookies got to sing a song at the open practice and he was like too cool for school and he didn't want to sing a song and the crowd started booing him and he was like wait I'm supposed to be the savior. How y'all booing me? And New Orleans like, nah, when you're in New Orleans, you got to put on a show. You better, you better strut, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, when, when you got the spotlight, you got to do something with it in this city. And he, and I think that's something he's learning more and getting adjusted to with city in New Orleans. We care about having fun and we care about if you're going to be a star, you got to do something to earn that spotlight. And, and he's enjoying it in the city is loving them because uh, the football team ain't doing too much to, to generate love on that end. So right. a lot of it is pouring into the Pelicans right now. Well, I was just about to ask you about that, Will, because you, you know, you're a native, and so you know the city better than anybody. And we all understand how the Saints are, how big the Saints are, and always will be and always be, and LSU is going to be 1A, right? We understand that. I think everybody understands that. I always worried about the Pelicans – just being a good number two, you know what I mean. Just being a solid number two in the city with their own Man, kind of fan I, base. I thought they was going to Seattle, DA. Let's you know what I'm saying? So I, I mean, that was, was that's, that's always back in the back <laughs> of your mind. Like, are they going to be able to keep this long term? How are they doing on that? And it's not even about what's the, what their attendance is, or you know, although their attendance is obviously much better. But just what part are they a part of the city now? What's the vibe about the Pelicans in the fabric of New Orleans? Yeah, a big part of that is, you know, the transition of Drew Brees being gone and there being a void there, right? Because he was the the face of New Orleans sports for a decade plus, and he won the Super Bowl, and they were winning all these games with Drew and Sean Payton, and now both of those guys are gone. Yeah, And obviously the Pels are kind of stepping into that void because the Saints damn sure ain't picking up where Drew left off. Uh, But (laughs) I think, uh, like I said before, I think a big part of it is not just the team's good, the team. Hey, you hear that, DA, by the way? That was a shot. Well, listen, was, I'm, a, a, I'm a sour Saints fan. Y'all don't want me to talk was, Saints. They all like that. Like, yeah. Greg Lee liked that too. They all like that, Marcus. Well, all was, Saints fans are the same. Listen, hey, he, 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 was all, he was all smooth just talking, and then he got personal. Like, dang. Then <laughs> he shipped him. Y'all don't want to follow me on Sundays, man. I'm real bitter on Sundays with my Twitter. But I think a big part of it with this team, man, is they really embrace the culture of the city. Like, they they're not just a really good basketball team. Uh, they, they really 
want to feel like they're part of the fabric of New Orleans. Like they embrace the music. They embrace the like you saw the other night Zion coming through in the Dicky fit. And I think people don't understand that around the country. Like that's how kids who go to public school dress every day and their Dicky fit with the G Nikes. We call them G Nikes. Everybody else around the country call them F Force Ones. Uh, but I think that's that they're doing more and more of that throughout this season. Guys really showing that they're not, they're not just a good basketball team that's in New Orleans. They want to be the good basketball team that is of New Orleans. They're part of this. And I think uh, you saw that somewhat with like the Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas teams that were really good with the Saints. Uh, but I think this team is taking it to the next level. And uh, the, the better they are, the more this city is going to love them. And I'm, I'm telling you, as I, when I go around the city all the time, people just are constantly asking me, not just about Zion. They're like, yo, what's up with Jose? Uh, yeah, like Trey Murphy, how is he? Right, right. I, I, and I keep saying this to people over and over again. In the past, I've seen people be infatuated with the Pelicans because of Anthony Davis, because of Chris Paul. What this team is different. They love this team. They love these guys beyond the stars. And I think that's something that, that New Orleans hasn't experienced before, that people are really into this entire roster and what those guys represent. And that's as much about why this city loves the team even I think even more than just the wins on the board because it was like that last year when they were 10 games under 500 and I think that's yeah. what this city we've heard Zion say it over and over again you you love the city they're gonna love you back and I think you see that with this team more than any all right I think I think they could win a title this year and let's assume that happens right how much pressure does that put on you know getting a new arena because at some point they're going to start talking about this right i mean Ooh. it's seventeen thousand. <laughs> it's just you know it's just small right it, like i mean that's just the bottom line it's small in this modern world but is, it small have... for, is it small for new orleans though i wonder you know? i wonder can new orleans just stay that or like, will just, they want to now build be... another seventeen thousand seat arena or, or will <laughs> they... wrong with that? But, but it's really about the luxury suites and all right, that right exactly I, I wonder can new orleans just stay a New Orleans team, or will there be like I watch this? The reason I'm saying this, I watch this with the Warriors, right? I watch this with the the little fun team. Everybody's hype, and right. then it gets the big business, mm -hmm. and then it's like, all right, we out Oakland. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But but the 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 part of the beauty of this Pelicans team is like you keep saying, man, this is a New Orleans squad. Like that's all part of it. Like that crowd feels like. Family, it feel like a you taught me about this will storm party, all right? Like it feel like a like, that's what it feel like, right? Like hey, hurricane coming, hey, let's have a party before it come. That's what the games feel like. I just wonder when they get what's coming. Do you think they can keep that? Do you think the ownership will want to keep that, or will somebody want to cash in and say, all right, we here now? How do we get more money? You know what I'm saying, like. Man, Marcus and DA, y'all will be shocked how often we have this conversation behind the scenes, yeah. especially as a guy who travels to some of these other arenas. And I'm going to say it because y'all aren't saying it. You go to you go to Chase Center, it's a whole different world than Smoothie Bruh. King Center. Oh, it's, a different. it's a whole different world. It's a whole different world than Oracle. Yeah, it used to be Oracle. Oracle used to be Smoothie King Center, right? Like, for real. Like, <laughs> now, now? <laughs> Listen, man, it's different. And yes. I think this is where things get a little complicated when we talk ownership because Gail Benson owns the Saints and the Pelicans, and they're currently renovating the Superdome right now because they got the Super Bowl coming here in a couple years. And you're, you're not going to 
want to spend that much money renovating two arenas at the same time. Right. right. Uh, so I think, you know, that, that that's a process that, that they're, I think ownership is adjusting to. It's like, wow, this is a whole lot of attention our basketball team is getting. We should probably spend a little bit more money to kind of reflect, uh, you know, our facilities on what this team is doing. And we got one of the biggest stars in the NBA. So I think that's coming with time. But I think – it's something I, I talk about all of the time with people behind the scenes because, I mean, the, 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 I, I'm not the only person to say it. When people from out of town come to New Orleans, they're like, man, uh, this isn't as nice as some of the other arenas around the league. And I think they need to step it up. They need to improve the facilities. But part of it is also that if you've ever been to New Orleans, the arena is directly next door to the Superdome. They right. share a parking yeah. lot. Right. So there's just not that much room if you're going to renovate to really do stuff around there because they're in the middle of downtown. Like I said, they share a parking lot with the Superdome. So there's only so much you can do unless you just blow the building up and rebuild it. And at is that the- point, where are they going to play? I well, mean, I was going to say, is there any place down else downtown where they might be able to build another arena if they needed to? I mean, not really, because they really don't have it's the kind room of land downtown. Line, right? Ain't and no I think land. They yeah, that space right. is yeah, be tough. I mean, New Orleans is a is a. We think of ourselves as a big city, but we're a very small city. Well, the downtown <laughs> is small. It's a big city, yeah. but downtown, the French Quarter, is a small area, right? Yeah, for sure. And they just they got the casino over there on the other yeah. side of uh, Poitras. They really don't have much room down there. I've heard people talk about. Maybe we move it out to Metairie. Maybe we do it here. That's I think what's they would happen, man. Well, I, I, I think they, Metairie. I think they like being downtown because yes. they like the idea of yeah. everything's walking distance. You can walk right. to the casino. You can walk to the French Quarter. Right, Bourbon right. Street's right there. They got all the hotels, all of the bars, restaurants, yada yada. So I think that's what they like the location. That's why the Superdome has always stayed downtown, yeah. even though they've probably been in a position where they can get a new stadium. But I think the tough thing for them is there's, like I said, there's only so much you can do because of the location where they're at and I don't think they really want to be in a position where we're spending two years playing elsewhere while we're building a new arena because yeah, they really yeah. don't have uh, they really don't I, have options you know where they're going to play Oklahoma City no, just let me no, stop. no <laughs> why you going to wish that on me why you going to wish that on me no, <laughs> no, no for real man like I remember being there in 2015 and uh, like you, you, could just, you could feel this you could feel it you could feel mm-hmm. it coming like it felt like one of those spots where if something ever go down, like it's going to pop. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm already, you already get this. It's like, like you watch, I watch every Pelicans game. Like that place <laughs> is it's lit. Nuts. Like it's, cra- it, it really is. And it, it reminds me of early Oracle. It, that's what it reminds me of. And yeah. so it's almost like, Oh come on, man! I know, I know what's coming. Like this is deja vu. Right, like, right, right. Somebody's gonna see this and want to cash it, and it ain't gonna be the same anymore. And it's crazy. Like I can't wait for the playoffs. Like especially after what happened when they played Phoenix. Like the first off, the Phoenix series was nuts. But put this team in there as a two as a seed, favorite. a one seed. Yeah, like, a favorite. What? Yeah, yeah. With a championship yeah. on the line. Right. What? It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be something special. That yeah. we haven't seen in a long time, and then like I'm, I'm already ahead of the line. Where like, see, man, they gonna mess around. They gonna, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, cash, but I tell people all split the time, up and it's over. Like we done. Oh man, first the fat boys break up. <laughs> 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 but no, I tell people all the time, man. They ask me about what's the what's my favorite NBA arena environment I've ever been in. And I always say. 
I've never experienced anything like Steph Curry getting hot in Oracle. Uh, there was nothing like it to this day. I've never experienced anything like that. And I think you're right that once you start experiencing that, when now we're, we're like four NBA championships ahead of ourselves and we're comparing the, the, the Pelicans to the Warriors and what they've done now in Chase Center. Uh, but I do think over time, you're right that, that you want to maintain that home feel. You want to maintain that, that real New Orleans type. But exactly. the facts are this team is growing. And their stardom is growing. Zion's stardom is growing. And you want the fil- the facilities to reflect that. And I think remaining a bottom tier, I'll say it nicely, arena with a, a, a top tier team, it just don't match. They got to right. do something to improve that. They got to do something to improve the arena. And I, I'm telling you, I'm just tired of going to other cities. One of the, uh, I reveal to y'all, one of my running jokes with uh, my guy, Andrew Lopez, uh, is like whenever we go to uh, somewhere else, we always say, man, this is nicer than New Orleans. Like that's, that's one of our running jokes everywhere. <laughs> Every time we go somewhere, <laughs> other than New Orleans, we're like, man, this is so nice compared to what we used to see in New Orleans. And yeah. it, just, it, it just shouldn't be that way where you got a team this good. Now, you can get away with it when you're bottom of the league and you're just scrapping to get to the eight seed but what you're a legit one seed and you're a legit title contender uh the stuff around your team should reflect Ooh, that. that's pressure yeah. that's yeah. pressure no doubt and and and, and people like what do they do if they get the pick if they get number one because the lakers look like they're going south <laughs> Bruh, if they get if they, the if they pick frenchy if they take frenchy <laughs> Listen, man. I mean, is there a better place, though? Is there a better place, though? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, how could they not New Orleans, and it's the French Center. Like, this is you drop them right in the French Quarter. (laughs) Come on, man. Perfect. Come on, they have to take them, right? Like anybody who's at one has to take that guy. And I can tell y'all for a fact that I know multiple members of the front office who watch Lakers games and they cheer for those losses like crazy <laughs> like they watch the lakers almost more than they watch the pelicans sometimes it's like man like y'all said it was kind of a joke earlier in the season when we watched the lakers lose to the warriors on opening night and they started slow but you know once the ad injury happens and then they're still struggling right now with every game that goes by it's like yo this might be real this could happen we, well, this might really happen <laughs> and it's one thing when you got the big star as zion on your right? team but if you get the another generational superstar and Wimby to play with Zion, then this thing goes through the roof. And yep. uh, like y'all said, that puts an immense amount of pressure on everybody in that building to live up to what y'all putting on the court. Because you can't be just a superstar team on the court. It got to be everywhere. And Marcus yeah. has experienced that with the Warriors throughout yeah. the years. They putting those banners up. It can't just be a great product on the court. It got to be everywhere these guys Absolutely. walk. It's championship level. And yeah. you got to start living up to that as these wins start coming in. Obviously, like it's going to be a tough place to win. I think they're, what, 16-3 and three at home. Like That's obviously going to be a tough place to win. But, you know, to win a championship is going to be, like, how you perform on the road. I think that's the next, like, level for this team uh, is to be able to put those together as a game at home. Now, it's hard to do without B.A., and he hasn't played a lot of road games. But what do you see is one of one or two of their issues, especially when it comes to winning, like, the tough road game? Like, you know, like I think they just lost on the road, uh, uh, was it last night or – like well, it was in Philly, yeah. In yeah, Philly, yeah. Philly, like th- those are the games they're gonna have to win. Like you're gonna have to go to Chaser. You're gonna have to go to Memphis. Like you have to go to these places 
and yeah. win? Like, wh- what areas do they need to grow to be able to do that? Yeah, the first one is they got to just get their team on the court, right? I mean, they've only yeah. had 10 facts, games with their facts. starting lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they just got to figure out how to play together. And, I mean, the, the, the 10 games they played, they didn't have this version of Zion early in the season. So they just got to figure out the dynamics of how – Zion, CJ, and B.I. just going to work together, first off. Uh, but I think also a, a factor, like, and I think a lot of people ask me about the, the championship potential with this team, and I'm just a dude who always leans towards, hey, to win the playoffs, you got to have experience. And, and this team just doesn't have that. They got all the talent in the world. They got the good vibes, great coach. They just don't have the experience yet. So I think when you talk about beating teams like the Warriors, like the Clippers, even the Grizzlies, all those teams just have been there and done that more than this team. So I think that's something they got to go through. Uh, but just if we talk about nitty gritty, I think the, the big thing that they got to figure out is how do you win? Uh, if you're if you're like we say, if you want to spread the court around Zion and prevent teams from really stacking up the paint, how do you do that while also maintaining the rebounding and the rim protection you need to play defense at a high level in the playoffs? And I think they really like that Larry Nance combo with next to Zion. Uh, they're, they're really good at switching everything and Larry can hit some threes and he's really good, you know, communicating on defense, doing a little dribble handoff, but he ain't really hitting the boards like that. He ain't really blocking shots like that. And if you got to go up against like an Anthony Edwards in a seven game series and he's going downhill every single time, how do you keep him out of the paint? And I think that's going to be a big question for this team moving forward. But I think first and foremost, I'm not really judging what they can do until they can get everybody on the court and just see what it looks like. That's the big yeah. thing for me. And then I will really see what it looks like. Cause now Z's dealing with his hamstring. BI is getting closer, but with hammies, y'all know it could be a couple games. It could be a couple weeks. Couple so weeks. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see with that. Uh, and again, it's the, it's the covering the Pelicans. I'm used to it. Every time you think there's a light at the end of the tunnel, that injury report drops. And it, and it brings your expectations down. Uh, so that's something they're just going to have to deal with for the rest of the season. All right. Well, so can can Marcus and I run quotes for you during the playoffs? You can, you know, you write the game stories. We'll just go get quotes for you. And then we'll just, you know, do whatever you need to do, whatever needs doing during the playoffs. Um, we'll, we, we're volunteering our services. I'm really good and, uh, at getting like the vibe, you know what I'm saying? I can, exactly. I, <laughs> I, I, I give you the color behind the scenes. You feel me? Nah, man. I was on Basketball Buzz yesterday. I joke with them that I was the Swaggy P joining the Super Team on their pod. <laughs> with this one, I'm feeling like uh, Norris Cole getting drafted to the the Heatles. I'm just I'm just next to the superstars. Yo, I'm just I'm hilarious. just happy to be here. Norris you know Cole, saying? come on, man! I, I just, Norris I just want y'all Cole. to swing it to me in the corner every now come and on, again. You, come on, and you I just Mario. won't be the guy in the back of the pick. Come you on, you saying? Mario, Mario hit you hit a big shot like Mario in the in the, in the day. Come on now, Don't sell yourself short. That dude said Norris Cole. Shout Stepped out to that Norris three Cole, when you man. needed to hit that shot. Come hey, on now. former mm-hmm. Pels legend Norris Cole. He had some good moments hey, in, in the yeah, Pels uniform did. back in the G. Norris Cole literally brought the high top back to the NBA. Right. Himself. <laughs> right, right, right. Man, well, man, appreciate you coming on, man. This has been great. We got to get you on again. This is, we get close to the playoffs, man. But uh, stay safe out there. And, uh, man, this is, I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I like talking about fun stuff, and the Pelicans are fun, man. That's a fun team to watch. That's a man. fun team. Hey, you ready? Because you about to blow up too, man. 
No, 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 just make sure you remember us. Don't be acting all right. funny style. You know what I'm saying? You, know, you, know, how they be. you know how they be, man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, you know, I told y'all both individually that, man, one of my favorite things about working at the Athletic is I get to have OGs like y'all who show me the way, and I could be like, yo, one of my teammates is David Aldridge. One of my teammates is Marcus Thompson. So that's a, that's a dope part of being at the Athletic, and I'm just happy y'all had me on the show, man. Oh, Let me, dude. Thank Let me you, get my man. Norris Cole on and wave towel over here while y'all hitting game winners. <laughs> a lot more than Norris Cole, man. <laughs> Check out Will in the Athletic. He's killing it on the beat. And leave that five-star review for us on Spotify, on Apple, on wherever you get this fine American podcast. Now, Marcus, it's been a couple weeks because we took last week off. But if these fools can't leave us a five-star review, what they need to do? You know, in honor of what is happening, I'm gonna say I'm gonna need you to go to Chasing M's then and donate some money there you to go. the Bar Do Foundation. Since there you go. You can't, like be, you can't be a hater your whole life. You know, exactly. What I'm Do something nice for somebody. Do something nice for somebody. <laughs> you can't give us five stars and go donate some bread over there. Help, help get it to five million. How about that? Exactly. Exactly. All right, y'all. We out. Later. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.